Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it and have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. You are very welcome along to episode number 23 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. I'm coming to you again from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studio here in Dublin. I'm delighted to be here with you again today. Um, If it is your first time listening to the podcast, you are very welcome along. This could be a good introductory episode. This is a folktale that you don't need to have any context for. But if you do enjoy this episode, please do go back to the beginning and listen to all that we've been building up over the past few months and see if you like it. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. You're always welcome back. And I hope you're enjoying the seeing and listening to this podcast grow as I hope it is, as I feel it is. And if you extra enjoy the podcast, you can always contact me on at Instagram on Instagram at Olahan Solo, all one word, O L O H A N S O L O. Or if you want to support the podcast, we're trying to take this podcast live. You can do so on Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. That is the plug out of the way. Smash that like button. Um, we have. A very interesting tale today uh, that I've wanted to do for a couple of months now. Uh, It has a beautiful background. It's quite unique in in terms of uh, source for this podcast, which is great. And I had uh, some reservations. Reservations probably a strong word about telling this story for reasons I'll talk about afterwards. Um. But I'll let you hear the story first without any context, and then I'll talk about it afterwards. But it's a folktale from the county of Limerick, uh, which is where my my grandmother was from, and is a place very dear to me, and also because I am an enormous fan of the Rubber Bandits, and the Blind Boy podcast is a huge influence on me and on this podcast itself. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to be bringing you a folktale from Limerick, uh, from Limerick City as well. So this is Dano or the Devil on Fireside. <laughs> Dano or the Devil Once there was a young girl named Maggie Brown. Maggie lived in the townland of Killalee in Limerick City. She was the eldest girl of a very large family, 
And when both of her parents died, it was up to Maggie to look after the rest. While still only a girl herself, Maggie had to go out and find a job to provide for her bereaved brothers and sisters. Luck came when Maggie found work in a tobacco factory in the city centre. Maggie was grateful for the job, but it entailed an arduous walk every morning and evening to the factory. In fact, it would often be pitch black on her walk home. One winter evening, Maggie was walking home late at night. Her friend Fran was keeping her company on the long, cold walk home. Fran worked in the tobacco factory too, and was also from Killalee, so the two would walk to and from the factory every day and night. It was after 11 o'clock when Killalee finally came into view. The girls were walking and chatting when they heard a voice from the darkness. Ah, hello, girls. Maggie and Fran both jumped with fright and quickly turned to see where the voice had come from. Ah, girls, I'm over here. They looked into the wood beside the road, and when they looked hard enough, they could make out the shape of a little old woman sitting on a tree stump. The two girls knew that stump. It was rumoured to be a place of bad luck. A fairy tree that had been chopped down by a reckless man whose family was cursed thereafter. Not wishing to soak up any further ill will by association, the stump was best avoided at all costs. But more so than the stump, the two girls recognised the old woman sitting on it. It was Mammy Delahunty. Mammy Delahunty was the oldest woman in Killalee. Indeed, Maggie and Fran thought her to be the oldest woman in the world. Despite being well into her nineties, Mammy Delahunty was very much the matriarch of her home. She still cared for her children, grandchildren, and even great-grandchildren. She was the wisest in not only her house, but in the whole townland, and was still active all throughout the community. Medi believed she even had healer's hands, and would seek her advice for a whole range of ailments, long before they would seek the help of doctors. What's more, Mammy Delahunty never asked for anything in return. She did it all for free, for the good of the Limerick community she loved so well. Even when people would try and give her gifts for Christmas as a way of saying thank you, the gifts would nearly always be passed on to those whom Mammy Delahunty thought needed them more. An out-and-out absolute legend of a woman. Mammy Delahunty, what are you doing out here so late in your own? said Maggie. The old woman had let her hair down and was wrapped up warm, but it was a bitter midwinter night, far too cold for a woman of her age to be sitting alone in the woods. I tell you, girls, I woke up this morning and not one member of my family was speaking to me. I know I'm old, but I will not tolerate being ignored. So I put on my coat and walked out the door. I wanted to visit some friends and to give out about my ungrateful family, but every person I spoke to on the street, visiting the shops, they ignored me too. All I've done for this community, I've never asked for anything back, but I must have done something very bad to warrant this. Maggie and Franny were confused by Mammy Delahunty's account, but felt sorry for the old woman. They both looked at each other and were in agreement that they should take the old woman home. Each taking an arm, Fran said, 
Come on now, Mummy Delahunty. We'll take you home and teach that family of yours to respect you. Oh, I don't think so. A deep, booming voice came from the darkness. It was a voice unlike anything the girls had heard before. They backed away from the old woman to see a tall shape emerging from the shadows. It was a tall, slender man wearing a dark and shabby three-piece suit. He put his two long and bony hands on Mammy Delahunty's shoulders. Thank you, girls, but that won't be necessary. This is Dano, said the old woman. He's a fine gentleman who's been the only one who's talked to me all day. Indeed, said Dano. Mrs. Delahunty is in my care now, and I can assure you she will be well looked after. Now run along home, girls. It's getting close to midnight. Maggie and Fran were terrified of this emerging figure. There was something unnatural about him. He was too tall, his features too elongated. He didn't look quite human. What are you? Maggie asked Dano. Mind your manners, Maggie Brown, said Mammy Dullahunty. Dano is a dear friend. And he's going to take me to a place where I'll be safe and appreciated. Isn't that right, Dano? Oh, yes, Mrs. Delahunty. It's a beautiful place, with all the scenery and culture of Ireland, but with the warm weather of a tropical foreign land. Oh, that does sound lovely, said the old woman. And where exactly is this paradise? asked Fran. That's not for you children to know. Now run along. I'm not going to tell you again. But Mammy Delahunty, cried Maggie, you love Limerick. You've dedicated your whole life to Killalee. You're right, Maggie, I have. And yet still all the locals are ignoring me, even my own family. It must be time to move on. Yes, your family don't want you anymore, Mrs. Delahunty. But don't worry. I'll look after you. I promise. Then Maggie, finding courage she didn't even realize she had, asked, Tell me, Dano, are you the devil? Dano threw his head back and let out a laugh that was practically satanic, all but confirming Maggie's question. Am I the devil? No, child. If there is a devil, I don't think he would do the work that I do. If you must know, I'm one of the ace she. The what? The fairies, said Fran. The good people, corrected Mammy Delahunty. Yes, Mrs. Delahunty, the good people. And we are the good people. Every so often I am tasked with visiting your world and selecting one lucky candidate to join our ranks. Become one of us. We assign a hefty task, but the rewards are endless. And what task is that? asked Fran. I know, said Maggie. He wants to turn Mabby Delahunty into a banshee. Fran was stunned, but neither Dano nor the old woman seemed to react. Mabby Delahunty seemed to already know this. You're correct, child. Perhaps you're not as stupid as you look. Please, sir, said Fran. Don't take her. Mabby Delahunty is too important to kill a lee. Girl, the two of ye took me for the devil. You consider my assignment an evil one, when it is us who are trying to do good. 
I am very much aware of Mrs. Delahunty's talents. Indeed, she is one of the most promising recruits I have found in many years. She will be our herald of death. She will warn of the specter of death being on its way. Without the banshee, people may never get their affairs in order before their often untimely deaths. The Banshee provides a great service, and in return for her work, Mrs. Delahunty will become immortal, and she'll live with us in the other world. This is not up for discussion, children. Once midnight strikes, the deed is done. Maggie looked at her watch. It was ten minutes to twelve. Dano leaned over the old woman. You just sit there, Mrs. Delahunty. It will all be over soon. Maggie and Fran looked at each other. They realized that as long as Mammy Delahunty was seated on that stump, the transformation was guaranteed. Without saying a word to each other, the two girls began to shout and lunge themselves at Dano. They grabbed his long, thin arms and attempted to pry his bony fingers off Mrs. Delahunty's shoulders, but the creature's grip was too strong. The girls tried to punch Dano's sides and leapt up in an attempt to scratch his face, but nothing had any effect. If anything, the fairy seemed to be enjoying it. In a last-ditch attempt, Maggie began to pinch Dano, to her surprise, the she flinched. It was possible to harm him. The two girls began to pinch every part of his arms and hands. Then an emboldened Fran began to bite. This enraged the creature. He released his grip of the old woman's shoulders and stretched his arm out and grabbed each girl by the neck. I warned you both not to interfere with my work. Now it will be the two of you who die tonight. Pity there wasn't a banshee here to warn you. Dano's long, dry, and cold fingers tightened their grasp around Maggie and Fran's throats. The girls thrashed and kicked, but to no avail. They felt the life begin to go from them when they heard another voice. Dano, unhand those children. Dano released his grip, and the two girls fell to the ground, gasping for breath. The voice had come from the vision of a beautiful young woman, in bright floral patterned clothes and a green aura all around her. Her hair was long, blonde, with flowers throughout. She also looked not quite of this world. What are you doing here? Never mind that, the woman said. You are to return to our world. You shall not harm these girls or take this old woman. Dano was outraged. I am fulfilling the task I was given. We need a new recruit. We will have a new recruit, but not like this. Not this woman. You will apologize for the harm you have caused and return to our world. Dano had nothing more to say. He physically could not apologize, but merely turned to Maggie and Fran and ever so slightly bowed. And then Dana was gone. Maggie and Fran ran to the old woman. Mammy Delahunty, we're going to take you home. Dear child, replied the old woman, I am going home. And with that, Mammy Delahunty herself disappeared. The girls were distraught. We were too late, 
cried Fran. She's going to be a banshee after all. Oh no, said the young woman who had saved them. Mrs. Delahunty isn't going to become a banshee. But neither will you see her walking the streets of Killalee again. Just trust in the fact that she is safe. Now run home, girls. The hour is late. Maggie and Fran didn't need to be told again. They picked themselves up and sprinted home. Despite the witching hour, when the girls made it back to Killalee, there was a huge crowd gathered in the centre of the community. The girls went to see what the commotion was. The whole crowd seemed to be centred around the Delahunty home. The girls made their way through the crowd into the house to discover lying on the table the body of Mammy Delahunty. A bottle of whiskey at her feet, a barrel of porter at her head, and a big smile on her face. The End And that is the story of Dano, or the Devil, on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. The story behind the story. This folktale comes from a book that was quite a recent edition. I got it over Christmas. It was one. It was a Christmas present from my brother. Uh, and I've only used one other story from it so far for a couple of reasons. The book is called uh, Gothic Fairy Stories from Ireland, and it has a different story from every county. So it has 32 stories, and it is by it is collected by uh, a husband and wife team, uh, Paula Flynn Lally and Steve Lally. Um, it's very recently published. I think it only came out last year, uh, and I had seen it in shops, and my older brother bought it for me, and I've been making my my way through it. I've read most of the stories, and there's some great tales in it. The one other story I've used from it so far is the Tobacco Quest, which is one of my favourite stories I've done on this podcast, and was great. It was a real odyssey that those if those who have listened to the podcast before know the story I'm talking about, uh, you will remember it and hope you enjoyed it. Um. And this, when I picked the tobacco quest out, this was the other big story. There's two sides to my family. My mother's side, um, her father was from Cork and her mother was from Limerick. So Cork and Limerick have always had very strong places in my heart. And the tobacco quest was a tale from Cork and um, this was a tale from Limerick. So it, it makes it means a lot to me to be able to draw stories from from my family's past as well or from where my family were from at the very least in fact probably one of the things that initially drew this to me is that my grandmother who did grow up in Limerick City she was the eldest of a large family and she did have to mind her family growing up so I think Maggie in the story did remind me of the stories I've heard about my grandmother when she was younger uh, growing up in Limerick but this story so as I said, Paul Flynn Lally and Steve Lally who collected this book together. They have various different styles in which the stories are told. Sometimes they are dictated, basically, like they will have met an old storyteller who will talk almost in the... There's ones told in the third person, in the first person, various different ways and various different stories. Some, In fact, the, the tale from Wicklow is a dialogue between a husband and wife uh, of a time they saw a fairy, uh, which is very interesting. But what's kind of unique about this story is um, 
there's beautiful artwork done throughout uh, this book and you don't have to look any further than if you see the cover of it in a bookshop. You'll notice it's a black and white cover with Irish Gothic fairy stories in green writing, but with this beautiful illustration of a horse on the front. It really stands out. And it, all the artwork is by an artist named James Patrick Ryan, who was a college friend, I believe, of Steve Lally, one of the authors. And this is one of his stories. This is a tale that his grandmother told him. So this is this is close to a new folk tale or or a, basically a true story that I've yet encountered. So that was initially why I was hesitant almost to do this as a tale because I felt less I felt like I would have to stick to it more, stick to the facts of it more and and stray from the path a bit less because it felt more recent, so it felt more. It felt like I'd be doing a disservice. I felt like if if this guy, if James Patrick Ryan, did listen to this podcast, that he wouldn't like if I made my own version of it. But at the same time, this was put into a book of folklore, and like they're very clear on the intent of folklore, as I am, in terms of that folklore is about being passed down and being changed and made into own versions. Now I have stuck to a lot of the bones, certainly of of James's version. He he speaks to it in the first person that he says this was my nana and my nana said this. So I've obviously made it more of a narrator point of view and barring a few details here and there like I'm sure if James does listen to this podcast he'll go like well that wasn't true that wasn't true. I have definitely taken little bits and just added to make it more real and more my own but I have stuck to it for the most part. One of the main departures um I went from is the title is called Dano and the Devil whereas I wanted to make it more vague than that um, in the actual story Dano does work for the devil and it is the devil that requires uh, a banshee be created uh, whereas I would prefer to as I constantly do to to put a divide between the fairies and God and the devil um, as much as possible. I think they are def- separate worlds entirely. And I was always hesitant to do any kind of religious a- aspect to this, as people will know, and just to have the folklore be the folklore, because it's the amalgamation of, of Catholicism and and fairy folklore in Ireland is one of the most unique things about it, is that you know people growing up in, like, as far up as the late 20th century, or maybe there's even some more still alive today, who absolutely believed in God, but also believed in the fairies. And they didn't contradict each other at all. And there is something incredibly fascinating about that and quite rich in that. But people know from the American folktales I've been doing recently, the devil has featured quite a bit. And the devil is, as I said, he's just one of the greatest characters of all time. Whether there is or ever has been a devil is regardless. He has been the inspiration. He's... He's so effortlessly he's so effortlessly cool, and there's so many endless interpretations of him, and there's so many stories involving him, and so many cautionary tales. And I'll never shy away from how good a character he is. And heaven has heaven and hell have crept in to stories most significantly in the Three Wishes, but that was very much a part of the story. And there's nothing I don't see really a a massive Catholic or Christian moral lesson there so I haven't minded the religious in those it's been other ones that 
like the Children of Lear was a big case where one of the most famous versions of the Children of Lear is that they could get converted to Christianity at the end, which is an ending I do not like because it is basically that the function of that is just to bridge the gap between myth and religion, whereas I like to keep the myth entirely as itself. I think the story is stronger that way. But so that meant that for this, I had to change it to Dano or the devil. And I liked the idea of it being vague. It's like, where did Mami Delahunty go at the end? Um, did she go to heaven? Did she just disappear? That can be up to yourself, rather than it being much clearer in the original version that it was heaven that she went to. Whereas, I don't know if that's, if that's, what, if that's a power that the fairies would have. I much prefer the idea that maybe she's just at peace. She didn't become a banshee, which is what we wanted. And speaking of the banshee, this is the first time the banshee's cropped her lovely head up in this podcast, considering that the banshee is probably the most famous fairy of them all, after the leprechaun, he who shall not be named. Um, And there was always going to be a few banshee folktales on this, and I've read plenty and I have plenty planned. Um, and it's very interesting that this should be the first one, and it's almost a Banshee origin story. Um, it's the only story I've ever heard of the creation of a Banshee. And they're not, it's not a character that I would know a huge, huge amount, uh, despite having the absolute shite scared out of me by Darby O'Gill and the Little People as a film when I was younger with the Banshee and that. Anyone who has seen that film will know how truly, truly horrifying the Banshee is in that Um but those who are a fan of this podcast, if you haven't listened to it already, you should listen to the podcast Sexy Beasts. It's also on the Headstuff Podcast Network. It's uh, by two incredibly funny lads, uh, Tony Cantwell and Mark Jago. It is on the Headstuff Podcast Network, so it is a bit of a shameless plug. But I don't know either of the guys. I'm just a huge fan of both of them, particularly Tony, because Tony is a stand-up as well. Uh, he does videos um, that are truly truly hilarious very just objectively funny funny guy but they do a podcast where they take a uh, different a uh, beast cryptids as they call them um a different monster every week and talk about it and rate it on a scale of how they would compete against each other in a battle royale so to speak and they do a brilliant episode on the banshee which has a lot more about the history and the different versions of the banshee throughout folklore so if you would like to learn more about the banshee properly more than i would know to say certainly at the moment then absolutely check out that but as if we do have more stories that center around her as a character then i'm sure i will brush up my banshee knowledge but ultimately, yeah, for those who aren't familiar, the Banshee is she is a herald of death, basically, like uh, Dano said in the story. It was, if you saw a Banshee, if you heard her, if you heard her wailing or keening, she would usually be by a river combing her hair. But if you heard that, it meant that someone was going to die. I'm not sure if it was necessarily always you, if it was only you that could hear it. But in Darby O'Gill and the Little People, it the banshee is hurt and then death arrives in a horse-drawn carriage which was to be fair if you were gonna be carted away um it would love to be in a horse-drawn carriage but dano is such a wonderful villain like i love this story i love this because it's a good story simple as but as i've said my intent has been to try and find as many as possible um female-centered 
I, I had really hoped when I started this podcast that there would be more female-centered myths and folktales. And I'm aware that like a lot of them have been male-centered and I've, tr- I'd, I've changed one and tried to focus here and the other. Ultimately, I go with the stories that I find in whatever order and put them on. Um, but last week we had The Legend of Scythe, which was great to have uh, a female-centered myth and hopefully there'll be more and more of that. But this was great because this was this two, these two young girls and this old woman, and just a very classic villain. Uh, he reminds me an awful lot. There's a conception that I was definitely familiar of, that fairies are these little tiny people. They, you picture like them like pixies, whereas very early on in the podcast, people will remember episode five, I think it was, uh, the story was called The Man Who Had No Story, uh, about a character named Pat Diver, who is runs amok of a group of fairies, but they are described very similar to Dano as these tall, slender, elongated lads, long fingers, long heads. Like They so quickly come into your head, this kind of slender man image uh, that's truly, truly frightening to even describe. And the fact that that was a common description for one of these people, I think is incredible. And I was just so instantly able to visualize Dano and I heard his voice so immediately in my head. And it was great to do and it was great to expand. That's one other thing I I added to my version of this story is I expanded the dialogue. Because I wanted to hear Dano speak more. And also for the girls and Mammy Della Hunty, I relish any opportunity to do a Limerick accent. Um... I don't know how good it is, truly. I have, in the pub, been told by people from Limerick that it's solid enough, but I would never presume to know. Uh, if you are from Limerick and you listen to this podcast and you were offended by anything I have said previously, I do apologise. But it did give me great pleasure to do a story from Limerick and to have done the story from Cork as well, and never the two shall cross. Yeah, the reason I'm drawn from more stories from this book, from the Irish Gothic Stories book, is... As I went away, um, and I wanted to do the American folktales while I was traveling around America. But now that I'm back, I do anticipate that there will be another few stories from this book. There's a huge range of them, which is great. It's a great new source to have. Also, there was a bit of a there's a bit of a history to my copy of this book, as I got the version uh, for Christmas, like I said, and I picked out when I was going to write the Tobacco Quest. I went on a trip to Glasgow to visit my girlfriend who lives over there and I left the book on the plane and I had started to write it but I needed it for the source. I needed it to, for details as well and I didn't have it anymore so I thought I was going to have to change. I wanted to write the episode while I was over there and I had to come back to record it at the start of the week. Um, but Anna, my girlfriend, she very kindly, she had a Kindle and she downloaded the Irish Gothic fairy stories onto it and uh, I was able to write from that and then when I had to go and was writing it in the airport I had the Kindle app on my phone and wrote it from that uh, wrote the tobacco quest from that um, so it got there was there was an adventure there was a folktale in itself to write that adaptation uh, and that's why I haven't had version since because that even that ebook was on Anna's Kindle, not mine. But before I went away to America, I bought my own Kindle. And I have to say, I was hesitant, like so many readers, uh, to make the switch. But they're just bloody deadly. Um, I'm finding I'm reading more, reading faster. 
uh, the books are cheaper. It's really satisfying to hold. It's way more satisfying to get through than I thought I would. Um, books aren't books aren't as daunting. Like if anyone, I would consider myself quite a good reader, but like not not avid. I mean, I know people who are like never never stop. I would have gaps of reading, which I always don't like. But I read when I can. I try to do more and more. But uh, those. <laughs> Those who are like me uh, will probably understand this, is when you get a really thick book, when you pick it up, it's really daunting. And you really want to get to that halfway point because that's when you know you're definitely going to stick with a book is when you want to finish it. But those first, if a book is like five, 600 pages long, those first two, 300 pages can sometimes be tough and daunting and you want to get deep into it. You don't have that problem on the Kindle. You just kind of fly through it, and it's done by percentage, but you don't have to look at that. And I'm finding, I'm enjoying the reading experience that little bit more. And just being able to have a pocket library absolutely wherever I go is brilliant. It is so light. The battery lasts so long. This has been, uh, I really should be getting paid by Amazon for this Kindle plug. Um, But the point was, I got my own Kindle, and I've now downloaded my own version of the Irish Gothic Fairy Stories that's what I've been drawing all my American folktales from. I had knee book of that as well. Uh, but I've now got the Irish Gothic fairy stories back on this so I can make my way through the rest of it and see what other goodies I can find from it and have my other sources back as well. It's great to be doing an Irish Irish one again. I loved doing the few American folktales, but it's great to be back doing the pa- proper Paddy Tales once more. So next week, next week will be episode 24, will it? My God. Uh, we'll be going back to myth. We'll be continuing the Fenian cycle. Um, but I will wrap things up there. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if it was your first time, thank you so much. Continuing listening, thank you so much again. Please do contact me on Instagram at Olahan Solo. Please do support the Patreon page, Fireside Podcast. We want to take this show live. We want to take it into an intimate surrounding, have an evening of song, of story, of tales from this podcast, of new tales. We'll see what it can be, but what we need is your support. So please, if you can contribute any small amount, even to the Patreon page, or don't, continue to listen to this for free. That is also great. I am, I've taken, there's very little I've taken as much pleasure in as doing this podcast, um, in writing and recording them every week. It's been great, and I love it so much. And that's really nice. It's really great that I, I can feel I get something out of it as well. Um, as I hope you do too so thank you as always to the people at Headstuff um, and thank you to Jamie my producer for continuing to edit this and make it sound lovely Uh, and thank you all for listening and I will see you you will hear me next time by the fireside goodbye this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network